Hello, folks. Welcome to Are You a Fan, presented by Moonbound Productions. If you like the episode, give us a like, follow, heck, even share it with a friend. So, question for the audience and question for you, Joker. What's up? If you could choose any god in the world to be imbued with their power, which god would you pick? Like, be an avatar, like, get powers from them. I mean, I feel like mine's pretty obvious. I'd definitely be Thor. <laughs> I would t- totally take the protector of Midgard and be a, a lightning avatar. Nah, fair, fair. Uh, that or Odin, because, you know, he's got all the knowledge of the, the nine realms. True, that true. Kind of nice too. I think, uh, oddly enough, I uh, the goddess I'm I'm picking is a fairly similar one. It's um, the white buffalo woman. She was a goddess of knowledge and had some storm esque powers, <laughs> too. So, yeah, if we're not just stereotyping ourselves here, right? <laughs> the Nord picking the Nordic one, the native picking the native one. <laughs> Okay, folks, that leads us into this week's character. We are covering Moon Knight. And, who there's a bit to cover. <laughs> so let's get started. Real world. Moon Knight is a fictional character appearing in Mer- American comic books published by Marvel Comics. Created by writer Doug Moench and artist Don Perlin, the character first appeared in Werewolf by Night, issue number 32, in August 1975. So, not, yeah, decently bit of an old one. That's not, not too bad. So, the creative team would give Moon Knight moon-related symbols, you know, because of course, yeah. and silver weapons, a metal poisonous to a werewolf, to mark him as a, a suitable antagonist for the werewolf hero. The two-part story would continue into issue number 33. Which, uh, uh, so for anybody that doesn't know, uh, Werewolf by Night was actually a hero. And that, so that's kind of an interesting thing because this character is technically considered a hero. So it's kind of interesting to see that he kind of, his first appearance, he was kind of a villain. Which makes sense. I mean, it also kind of fits, I feel. It does. So uh, editor Marv Wolf, <laughs> Wolfman <laughs> and, Len, and Len Ween. We'll go with that because yeah, I, I could not tell you how to properly pronounce that. I'm also just trying to stop from making a childish middle middle school joke. Okay. Keep going. <laughs> okay, so uh, editor Marv Wolfman and and Len Wein liked the character and decided to give him a solo story in Marvel Spotlight issue number 28 through 29, June through August 1976. Again, writer Doug. M- Moench with art by Don Perlin. Well, at least they kept the original people on it. Which is kind of nice. And uh, from what I could tell in some of the research, like they were they were pretty prevalent in this for this character. So. Oh yeah, definitely. This the story along with Spectacular Spider-Man issues twenty-two and twenty-three in September and October of nineteen seventy-eight, written by Bill Montlo. Uh, would recast Moon Knight as a more heroic character. His association with the evil committee during his first appearance was retconned to be an undercover mission he undertook to learn more about the villains. Which at least they, I feel like they did a good job at retconning it that way. Honestly, out of all the retcons I've ever seen, it's probably the most like 
solid, like without having to alter a universe type redcon. Right. <laughs> There's like, uh, I don't know, just say he was there to spy on the villains. That's why he took the jab. So Moon Knight received his first ongoing series in 1980 with Doug Monch and Bill Sinkowicz. Apologies if I butchered that. As its main creative team, the character received an expanded origin story in issue number one, including Spectre's resurrection in the tomb of Conchu. Suggested by editor Danny O'Neill, which also introduced several supporting characters as well as reoccurring enemy Bushman. And we'll get into those, all that once we get into the in-universe. Uh, after early sales were good, Marvel made the Moon Knight series a flagship title available in comic shops, starting with issue number 14. The companion mini-series Moon Knight Special Edition reprinted the Hulk and Marvel preview Moon Knight stories in color and standard comic format, adapted from their original magazine format. Sinkowitz stopped penciling the series after issue number 30, though he continued to contribute covers until the series ended with issue number 3. That's kind of cool. That kept, uh, at least he still kept up with the series and stayed involved. Right, which is definitely nice. Okay, folks, going into in-universe. Let's figure out who Moon Knight really is. Mark Spector, born in Chicago, Illinois. The son of a rabbi who, as a child, had managed to escape Nazi persecution after Hitler invaded... uh, Czechoslovakia. Czechoslovakia. Thank you. (laughs) Okay, so uh, if I actually a little fun note there in that, um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, with a few of the bit of the research I did, it was mentioned that um, this was one of the first openly Jewish characters. In like, which makes sense. I mean, because there's there still haven't been a lot, yeah. but definitely for that time period, that would have been a a fairly large move for Marvel to do. Right. And honestly, like it's, it's also, it's the reason they even worded it that way is because they brought up their life. There are other characters that we eventually find out are Jewish, but he was the first, you know, from pretty much the get go. Yeah. And was open about it. Yep. Which is uh yeah. Big move by Marvel. Yeah. So he would grow up with his younger brother, Randall. Their father would walk his kids to school every day, but him being a rabbi would cause Randall to be bullied. But Mark would be there to defend him. His father was disappointed with his boy's violent nature and their obsession with war. He believed that they should concentrate on their education, but his wife dismissed this as being boys. You know, that age-old adage of boys will be boys. Oh, yeah. and uh, a horrible adage. It's a terrible adage, but I will I will say, like, uh, like I don't know. Uh, this time, at least it's right. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm like, ah, they're just kids, man. Like, you also live in a world with a bunch of superheroes around in that. Of course, they're going to be a little interested in, like, Conflict and violence. Yeah. It makes sense. (laughs) During the last years of his childhood, Mark discovered by chance that a close friend of his family, Rabbi Yitz Perlman, was in reality a Nazi deserter and secretly a serial killer of Jews. But, uh, man, I, I... that's actually kind of dark. <laughs> it, it really is. Which, I mean, given what we'll, we're going to go into with the Moon Knight, not really the darkest thing, but still, like, dang, that's... 
I mean, in all honesty, most of his stuff really isn't that dark. This is kind of the darkest part of him becoming Moon Knight. In all reality. Yeah. I mean, I think he does rip a guy's face off at some point, but... Well, maybe later on as Moon Knight. But yeah. Nothing leading into him becoming the hero. True. Like, his origin, surprisingly, for a Marvel hero, is surprisingly tame. True, true. So, uh, yeah, let's... Uh, let's so, m- Mark's fighting instinct will kick off for the first time when he fended off against Pearlman to escape his grasp. Pearlman later disappeared without a trace. This traumatic event also caused Mark to develop dissociative identity disorder. Yep. Uh, so, for some of you who may not know, uh, Moon Knight has multiple personalities. And... Similar to uh, another character known as Legion in uh, DC Comics, each one of these personalities has their own abilities and like different things that they're good at and how they portray themselves as multiple personalities do. So this is kind of a cool little neat thing. Definitely. So f- the first... No. Okay, so the first alters, uh, as, as in alter egos, developed by... Mark were Stephen Grant and Jake Lockley. Shortly before Elias decided to intern Mark at the Putnam Psychiatric Hospital, Mark was approached for the first time by the Egyptian deity Conchu, claiming to be Mark's true progenitor. Progenitor. So this is a, this is a bit of an interesting thing. Uh, yeah, no. When he started to have these mental problems, I did a little bit of reading up on it. Yeah, the parents were just kind of like, yeah, we don't. We don't know how to deal with this, so we're just gonna, as they did sometimes uh, back. Uh, so unfortunately, that's probably the most real-world accurate portrayal from comics ever. Yeah, just like we don't know what's going on with our kid. We think he's crazy. We're just gonna hand him off to you. God, it's sad that that's a, a real thing that happened. It I still mean, happens. Uh, yeah, like honestly, like it really didn't even start getting attention until the early two thousands. Well, late 90s, I'd say, but still. Dark, but real. (laughs) So, in the other void, a realm outside normal time and space, the entity Khonshu, once worshipped as moon god by the people of ancient Egypt, would become interested in Mark. Khonshu and those like him cannot leave the other void without a great difficulty, but can create uh, psychic connections with hosts and avatars in the physical universe of Earth. Which is kind of a cool way to... To think about the gods of ancient times. Oh, yeah. Especially because um, in Mar- in Marvel, even... Because uh, I do not like to talk about the Ultimates verse. But in the normal Marvel continuity, um, like, yeah, the Norse gods are their own thing. They're actually closer to an alien race, if anything. But, like, this is an actual, like, eldritch god being that exists in a different, like, plane of existence. That, which is kind of an interesting thing, because you, you you hear that, and you're like, wait, if but Thor can enter the world, I'm like, well, that's a little, he's not really that kind of god. <laughs> Believing Mark Spector to have a weak mind that makes him vulnerable to psychic connection, Khonshu chooses, chooses the boy to one day act as his knights and avatar. Which, it's funny that he, like, that's why he's picked... Because um, I believe it was in the Venom, uh, Venom like God arc, that uh, Moon Knight actually helps helps them turn the tides and allows himself to become part of the Hive Mind. 
because he deals with all his multiple personalities, he feels as though he has, and he actually succeeds. Makes sense. So it's funny he starts out with this weak mind, but later on, because of because of what Kanji does to him, he's actually the best person and the, has the strongest mind for the job. Which makes sense. Okay. So after his father's death, Mark would be allowed to leave the hospital temporarily to attend the funeral and a late luncheon. But after hearing Kanji's voice, he ran away. And after his death, Mark resented his father, believing that Elias was embarrassed by him. That's, I mean, that's fair. Yeah. Your dad did put you in a mental hospital. Yeah. Yeah, that is... Uh, no better than the Kennedys. <laughs> so, in a, in a vision, Mark sees Kanchu promising to one day heal the boy's mind. Kanchu being an entity who was multiple aspects to his personality and exists out of phase with normal time and space... Later claims Mark's alter egos is the result of his mind trying to echo the moon god's own multifaceted nature, which I could I could see the human mind is just, and then we're throwing eldritch gods into it. And I feel like honestly the the whole purpose behind that was their way of giving him mental illness without actually saying it's mental illness. I could Back see for the day because they didn't understand mental illness. And and honestly, um, this type of mental illness even today is still like not fully understood. <laughs> like this, the mental illness they pick for this character, and as obscure as they've made this character, it kind of fits our real world knowledge of this mental illness. They're just like, we know it exists, but uh, we really don't know how it works. Yep. So Mark would enlist in the Marines and serve for three years. On his second tour in Iraq, his superiors would catch notice of Mark's bizarre behavior. After his past was dug up and the Marines would discover he lied on his paperwork and conclude his history of mental illness would make him, quote-unquote, unfit for duty. Mark would be dishonorably discharged. Because, yeah, you lie on anything when you're trying to get into the military. That is a quick way to get your butt out. <laughs> oh, Yeah. I mean, at least with his, at least in his situation, he literally has the insanity plea. <laughs> like, like, doesn't help him. That's why he's getting kicked out. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you know, could be worse. Because uh, isn't that like, can't you be arrested for that? As far as I know, they just kick you out like they did with him. Huh. De- obviously, depending on what you lie about, but oh, okay. for the most part, it's not hugely serious. They'll just kick you out for lying. Okay. okay. As far as I know. I I don't know much about that, so I'm just guessing. So Mark would later join the CIA and work with several people who would later interact with Moon Knight, including William Cross, Amos Lardner, and his own brother, Randall Spector, who became a mercenary as well. Randall killed Mark's girlfriend, Lisa, with a hatchet to keep her from exposing a gun-running scheme. Mark retaliated with uh, a grenade and left Randall for dead, assuming he was dead. Wow, that got intense. Real that that escalated quickly. Yes, it did. Like that really got out of hand. I mean, I guess all in days work for the CIA, right? <laughs> True. <laughs> so once he left the CIA, Spectre would enroll in legal fights where he would befriend Frenchie Duchamp, and I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong, and both would become <laughs> soldiers for hire. They took on several assignments, mainly in Africa and South America. Spectre later went on trial for assassinating the president of 
Bosgrivard, uh, the South American country. I have no idea how to pronounce that, but uh, it's also the only time it comes up, so I'm not going to worry about it. Okay. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so eventually, Frenchie and Mark uh, met mercenary Raul Bushman, who is impressed by their work. And this would lead to them working together, of course. <laughs> so Spectre and Frenchie would accept a contract with Bushman, helping a local warlord in the Sudan, Quello Rebellion. One of the rebels they shoot, uh, shoot down is Mark's own brother, Randall, though Mark is unaware of this and doesn't even know if Randall's in the area, which makes sense because he thinks he's dead. Yeah, so... Uh, despite his bullet wounds, though, Randall would survive, convinced Mark recognized him, and deliberately tried to kill him. Which I guess I can see... I can make sense. I, I actually, like, this is just one of those situations where you're like, ah, I see both sides. <laughs> I see how both... I'm, also, I do understand Randall because, like, he did try to kill him once already. Yeah, true. So, I mean, it's fair that he assumes he's trying to kill him again. Yeah. It's like, he's back to finish the job. No. So, Mark uh, Mark is appalled at Bushman's bloodlust and that he targets civilians as well as enemy combatants. Bushman kills Dr. Peter Alron, an archaeologist whose team, which included Peter's daughter, Marlene. Supposed to be Marlene. Marlene. Okay. Uh, yeah. Recently on Earth, they hid in tomb. Yeah, no. Bush, Bushmaster. I mean, Bushmaster is just your stereotype. Or Bushman is just your. He's your stereotypical mercenary. mercenary. I mean, there's nothing surprised. Yeah. So, like, I, I, get, I get him, like. This was bound to lead to conflict. Oh, yeah. Um, Bushman would intend to loot the tomb and kill any witnesses, you know, like Mercs do. Uh, Mark would scare off Marlene, saving her life, and engage Bushman in combat. Defeated, Mark is injured and abandoned in the desert without food or shelter, suffering in the freezing temperature of the night. Despite this, though, he would make his way back to civilization before collapsing near death. Man, it's good to have gods on your side, I guess. (laughs) This is even before that. Uh, well, you know, lucky. <laughs> so locals carry him into a tomb and leave him before a statue of Conchu, moon god and protector of travelers at night. You know, I, honestly, after doing the research on this, I really want to get in the Moon Knight comics. I just oh, love, heck yeah. I'm loving the aesthetic. <laughs> so Marlene realized Mark saved her life earlier and prepares to mourn him as his heart stops. Moments later, though, Mark would Spectre revives fully healed. He claims to have seen the moon god Khonshu and been chosen to now act as the moon's knight of vengeance, or also the v- fist of Khonshu. Marlene believes this was a dream or delusion. Mark takes a silver hooded cloak uh, from the statue of Khonshu, adopting it as his own. And uh, later, later on in his life, there are moments where he, he's looked back on this moment, and, he, and he's even... Because he's mentally unstable, he he questions whether or not he actually did see that or if it was just like that near-death synapsis fire. Which, you know, if it wasn't for the fact he comes back fully healed, I would be in the same spot as him. I'm not going to lie. Doing some of the research on some of his later life that I kind of ran across, he is... The people he deals with, the way the, the way the Marvel-verse treats him is frustrating as heck. Because so many people just question his existence. And it's like, okay, so uh, Spider-Man, you fight side by side with a literal god and a guy in a tin suit. And you're going to question that this guy has a connection to a god? 
can we can we get it's just like yeah and it, that's honestly part of i think why he's he questions himself so much which makes sense i mean it's fair it's just the he gets healed and I, that's where it's like mm, maybe shouldn't question so much yeah uh, though many characters doubt the moon god Conchu was real and believe Mark Spector only experiences hallucinations while near death, it was never explained why others such as Spector's lover, Merlene, concluded this when there was no other explanation for Mark's spontaneous recovery from his wounds and a death-like state. Yep, just as we were talking about. Yep. And it is, that's why, like, honestly, Keenan some of the future stuff I ran across, it is so frustrating because of that situation to every hero he encounters is like, yeah, I don't believe your, your thing's real. You're just crazy. Which makes sense. Also, I mean, as many characters that have had crazy things, making them heroes or villains, I also understand why people question them. Yeah. I mean, superheroes, man. (laughs) Right. Okay, so we're going to kind of get into uh, along the line during the Wolf by Night. He'd, uh, werewolf. Uh, werewolf by Night, Hulk magazine, Moon Knight Volume 1, 1975 to 1984, becoming Moon Knight's arc. So, yeah, this is the section where he actually starts to become the proper Moon Knight. Yep. So, after confronting and defeating Bushman, Spectre would return to America with Frenchie, now joined Mar- Mar- by Marlene, and determined to become a crime fighter called Moon Knight. Adopting a white and silver Kevlar bodysuit coupled with Conchu's hooded cloak. Which, honestly, I'm pretty excited to see that in live action. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. So, when asked why he would wear white and silver while operating at night, Moon Knight answered, he is meant to be a light in the darkness, and that he and Conchu want their enemies to know he is coming. I remember seeing like memes and jokes online about comparing him to Batman yep. and how he wears white. It's like, cause I want them to know I'm coming for him. Oh yeah. There was actually uh in one comic run that I kind of like dug into during this research, he's going after this serial killer and like, he's dealing with like helping the cops and all the cops are like, you can't just go into those sewers and stuff. And he's like, Hey, this is a trained killer that you're about to go after. And they're like, yeah, but you're wearing all white. He's like, yeah. Cause I want him to know I'm coming. Right. <laughs> Which fits his fighting style, which we'll Definitely. get into later. <laughs> so to, to fund his activities and gain influence in business, Spectre uses Steve Grant or his Steve Grant identity to start a business and make careful investments, turning his mercenary profits into a small fortune, buying a mansion for his home base, Spectre slash Grant, then funds the creation of crime fighting equipment and weaponry, including the moon copter. <laughs> You know, why can't these people ever come up with anything more clever than just taking what their hero name is and just slapping it on, like, you know, the Batmobile or the Batplane? <laughs> hey, can you check the battery? What's a Terry? <laughs> I was just thinking of that, too. <laughs> it's just always like, I, I feel like, <laughs> I can't say I would do the same stupid thing, though. It's got to be the kid in us. Oh, it, it definitely has to be. So, um, to help gain knowledge from, from street criminals and civilians, Mark becomes a taxi cab driver as Jack Lockley. Lockley quickly makes friends with din, uh, dinner manager, uh, diner. diner manager, Gina Landers and her sons, Ray and Rick. Ray, a pilot later becomes an ally of Moon Knight, piloting the moon copter with Frenchie, uh, oh, piloting the moon copter when Frenchie is unavailable. 
Moon Knight also befriends Bard, uh, Bertrand Crowley, a former ta- uh, textbook s- salesperson who became homeless and operates a street as a street informant. Man, he made he made a lot of friends real quick there. <laughs> and you got so many different personalities. I can't True. imagine they'd be that hard. Fair. <laughs> That's actually a real valid point. <coughs> so, Spectre's first major job as Moon Knight would come when he when the committee hired him to capture a werewolf named Jack Russell. I feel like there's a joke there about being a, a Russell Terrier. <laughs> So he would succeed in large part thanks to the silver cestai. Cestai? I have no idea how to pronounce that. I can't either. I feel like that's the whole Celtic-Celtic conversation. I feel like that could go either way. It's the letter C, man. <laughs> however, so, however, he would learn that the committee planned to turn Russell's sister into another werewolf and use them both as weapons. He did the honorable thing and switched sides. Spectre and Russell shut down the committee. It's pretty cool. Uh, Werewolf and I is a pretty cool character. Um, actually, I've heard since Moon Knight's been introduced, the guy who plays him has even uh, presented that he would love to do a thing where it's like him, Blade, like all the nighttime characters. Yeah, that'd be I, awesome. Right? I, I'd i watch that. So a fun fact I found out about a silver Sestai is basically they're just silver spiked brass knuckles. Ooh. Like they're brass knuckles with like literal spikes coming off of them. I like that. I was like, <laughs> I feel like that fits very well. That does. And, uh, Wombo, fo- folks, that is Moon Knight's Origins. I feel like that's a good sound point. Sometimes we go further on characters, sometimes we don't. With Moon Knight to go further, we get into a lot of convoluted areas. So. And then I feel like it, we did a lot of what he did be- before he became Moon Knight. So he had a lot more of a backstory leading into his time as a hero. And you know what? He actually did, and I. I kind of like it when characters like that do. Right. Because some of our characters, it's literally us just being like, well, they put on a costume and uh, let's go over their first five issues as a hero. Yeah. Okay. So now let's get into powers and abilities. And uh, folks, just strap in. There's There's a lot. Yeah, there's a few detours on this one. Okay, so powers and abilities. Let's get into some of his uh, more abilities. Um, uh, so he's an Olympic-level athlete. He's acrobatic, excels in combat strategy. He's a good driver, expert pilot, expert detective, expert marksman, interrogation expert, and telepathic resistant. I kind of feel like that probably comes from how split up his mind is. Then I think also being... Essentially, the avatar of a god probably helps a lot, too. Oh, that that would, actually. I feel like that's a large part of that. On top of, yes, being the split personality probably helps a lot, too. Oh, yeah. And now let's get into some of his skill sets here. Uh, besides those, uh, he as far as fighting, he's... Um, he actually, I think we... I think I might have forgot to put this in there. But he was actually a Golden Gloves boxer in the military. Makes sense. That. So, yeah, he has boxing, kung fu, krav maga, salat, uh, dambi, I actually don't know how to pronounce that one, es- eskrima, ju- judo, karate, ninjutsu, savati, and muay thai. Pretty sure a couple of those I might have butchered a little bit, but a couple of those I also haven't, I never even heard of. So, <laughs> I mean, you still did better than I would have. 
But um, yeah, so Moon Knight's now this is, this is a fun part. So Moon Knight's fighting style combines elements of various combat techniques and relies heavily on adaptability, using the environment to his advantage, intimidating his opponents and accepting a certain level of pain and injury. He Moon Knight possesses has been shown to possess a very high tolerance of pain and torture. So before we get too much further, his, his fighting style, especially where it talks about relies heavily on adaptability, definitely reminds me of him, his background as a Marine, because like that's one of their big things is to adapt and overcome and survive. Oh yeah. And so like his whole fighting style, he literally just got from being a Marine. Oh yeah, but this uh, this is uh, this is the fun part. Uh, the accepting a certain level of pain <laughs> in the comics, it has actually been stated by um, Taskmaster, the man who can master any fighting style and technique. He actually refuses to copy Moon Knight's technique. I don't blame him. M- yeah, mostly because the technique literally involves like taking like if somebody's coming at him with a knife, he's like, I'm gonna get stabbed, but yep. I'm also gonna rip your face off. So, you know, so yeah, like uh, Taskmaster literally told somebody, he's like, I would be dead if I took, if I mimicked his technique. Yeah, I believe it. So, and uh, so also just a little, now we're kind of getting into more of what makes, I found doing this research, what makes Moon Knight's power set interesting is it changes, but not like other characters. Because other characters, it changes based on the writer and based on what generation or era. His literally part of the same continuity just changes kind of almost based on where he ends up. Like this one, he once possessed the Phoenix Force, which is a power. And that's one that a lot of people have possessed. But also, it's based upon whether or not his god is being kind or not. Because his god is literally given and taken powers away. Oh, yeah. So there was... I ended up finding during my part of the research and the editing is there was a whole section that was like a drop down. So here's things that he has been given by the God specifically and removed later on. Yep. And so that's honestly, it was kind of the weirdest, but my favorite part was cause yeah, a lot of characters, their power sets drastically changed just on issues or who's writing it. His literally just changed. They like, they found a, like they found a, perfect excuse for why his powers could just be changing they're like eh this god's not in the mood right now yeah pretty much (laughs) so he possesses a level of immortality moon knight's pact with conchu grants him advantage of immortality he has been brought back to life by conchu on three occasions and it is discussed and believed that um basically he is theoretically immortal as far as like on on you can't keep him dead yeah until Kanchu finally one day maybe decides like you know what i'm gonna find someone else well, that was the next point that i put is it's not known if Kanchu will continuously do this or if eventually he'll do it until he chooses a new champion yep and and i feel like that's exactly what it is until he finds a new champion he'll just keep bringing him back which is kind of nice but also kind of scary like if i hate I, that like yeah no if i if i had to rely on uh on my, on my God, just like, especially because later on in some of the stuff I found, Conchu's kind of an ass. But like, also just thinking about you will be experiencing every time you die. That too. That's got to be the worst part about that. Yeah. Because clearly he's died at minimum three times. 
That would that would kind of stink. I mean, I guess you got everybody's an- ultimate answer though. Who was right in the end? <laughs> <laughs> True. Oh God. Okay, so now let's. <laughs> God. <laughs> so uh, okay, now let's get into his, into the equipment. So and honestly, this one seems to jump around more than the powers did, based on stuff. Oh, it actually, I I would argue you're right on that so he starts out kind of with lightweight kevlar body armor a specially constructed silver glider cape that can catch winds and thermal updrafts he typically wears metal bracers on his wrists and calves later costumes have added metal plates providing extra protection to his chest and shoulders i mean when you're planning on not dodging (laughs) kind of right could use that extra protection. Uh, his most commonly used weapons are his silver crescent darts, some of which are blunt, some of which are blades. This is kind of getting into that whole why everybody compares him and Batman with their. Reminds me of the meme. Random bullshit. Go. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, I forgot about that meme. Okay, uh, uh, crescent. Uh, launcher pistol, which shoots above uh, mentioned crescent darts, and adamantium reinforced uh, truncheon that can fire a grappling hook, hook and extend into a bow staff, can also turn into a walking cane. I found out. And apparently, his truncheon also has a taser equipped to it. It's a ta- I, I don't know if it's the same truncheon, but there was a note uh, that he has a truncheon that has a taser. The tactile cane. No, the truncheon, not the... I would have sworn a truncheon was something different than a bow staff. Well, the well, because it ter- extends into a bow staff, but I did later find out with some of my research that it also turns into one of his walking canes for one of his characters. Yeah. I just thought the truncheon was something else. I actually... So, we'll I just cut all that out. <laughs> I actually don't know what a truncheon is. <laughs> okay. He also has uh, nunchucks, compound bow... Uh, Moon Knight wore gauntlets with spiked knuckles. Which we ah. slightly talked about before. Yeah. <laughs> At one point, Moon Knight accepted golden and ivory Egyptian-themed weapons created by followers of Kanchu. Those weapons were later replaced uh, and modified by Hawkeye, actually. And that, a golden... That's a onk. Onk-shaped blunt weapon, which glowed in the presence of danger, could also be thrown... There are orcs nearby. I actually saw, that was one of the things I saw where it talked about. I was like, could it either be thrown or used as a blunt club? I feel like you could say that about anything, really. For the most part, yeah. <laughs> I could uh, shoot this gun or I can throw it at you. So, uh, for transportation, Moon Knight employs a variety of sophisticated aircraft, such as Mooncopter and the Angel Wing, a mini jet featuring v- VTOL, VTOL. Ver- VTOL, vertical takeoff la- and landing, and 20-millimeter uh, cannons. See, at least his jet has a better name than the Mooncopter. True. I don't I know mean, what else you would call the Mooncopter, though. <laughs> I don't know, but there's got to be something better. <laughs> but I-, I think the Angel Wing would be so much cooler if it was shaped like a crescent moon. It actually is. Oh, it is? Of, in a lot of the uh, in a lot of the re- iterations I've seen him use it, it is shaped like a crescent moon. Oh, okay, see, that's the way to do it. 
Yeah, no, because uh, the first time, actually, the first time I ever encountered Moon Knight was in a Spider-Man game. And you actually, he flies you on that to get somewhere. Nice. <laughs> and, okay, so Moon Knight has also used a white customized motorcycle, a remote-controlled white limousine, and a remote-controlled crescent-shaped drone glider capable of carrying a single person. That one doesn't surprise me either. Nope. And actually, I might be getting confused. The angel wing might be that, is what I've seen. Well, but it says it's two different things. Yeah. Because one's a mini jet and one's a glider. Or drone. Mm. Those are slightly different. I might have to look. I should have looked up the images. That's on me. Well, I imagine the drone glider being similar size-wise to, like, uh, Static Shock's trash can lid. Okay. See, uh, and also, uh, before we get get done with this whole section, I would like to add in a couple things I have uh, kind of memorized. At one point, some of the powers he got from Conchu, one of the ones I enjoyed the most was his actual physical prowess and powers increasing based on the phase of the moon. Like, uh, during a full moon, he basically would kind of give a reference from Marvel, kind of be able to hulk out a little. That's cool. Like he'd become stronger, faster, more agile than that. But uh, that was a power that was given and taken by Kanchu. That's cool. Also, at one point, he did also possess Thor's power, um, Black Panther's power, um, Doctor Strange's power, and several other characters' powers. And that when he absorbed them from them. Nice. So, a fun little add-on. So, into his other media section, which... Was a little, little bigger than I was expecting, knowing how kind of niche and background character Moon Knight kind of is. So for TV, he was supposed to have a show produced in Japan that would instead would have been made into a manga from 1979 to 1980. He appeared in The Ultimate Spider-Man vs. The Sinister Six, Avengers Assemble, and also in the 2017 Spider-Man animated series episode Vengeance of Venom. I remember that one. I think that's pretty much the only place I've ever known him from was from that cartoon. And I think that one episode. Yeah, cartoon and the video game. <laughs> so, obviously for the MCU, he is set to appear in the Disney Plus series Moon Knight, premiering March 30th. Uh, and in November of 2019, uh, Kevin Feige revealed that Moon Knight is set to appear in future MCU films following a series. Ooh! Which I feel like that... I would not take that to heart too much yet because I think that's going to entirely depend on how well his series does. Because if it bombs or doesn't do great, they will likely re rethink that. True. I'm hoping it does good, though, because he's a very interesting character. And even as much of a background as character as he is, he is a fairly prevalent one in the comics, apparently. But if nothing else, it would be just kind of nice to have somebody new. That, too, honestly, I would be looking forward to. So he had a, a, out of all of it, his largest thing was video games, which kind of surprised me how many he was in. So he yeah. appears as an unlockable character in the Wii, Xbox 360, and PlayStation 3 versions of Mar- Marvel Ultimate Alliance. Aww. Appears as an assist character in Spider-Man Web of Shadows. That's the one I played. Figured. Uh, appears in Hawkeye's ending for Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom as a member of the West Coast Avengers. And then he had a very, fairly large, uh, appears as an unlockable playable character or DLC playable character 
in Marvel Avengers Alliance, Marvel's Heroes, Lego Marvel Superheroes 1 and 2, and Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, The Black Order. And there was a handful of like the, the phone games that he also appears in. I feel like the phone games, yeah, we don't need to list those because I feel like at some point... It's Every, similar to the Lego games, but yeah. we've got a thing going with the Lego games. They got we got to put those in. <laughs> oh, those are just kind of fun to throw in there. So, uh, yeah, no, that's uh, kind of all we got on Moon Knight for this episode. Uh, honestly, fun character. And uh, so I guess the question that I ask every week, you a fan? I'd definitely say yeah, partially because I do enjoy the aesthetic of, like, ancient Egypt. And with them taking a character and kind of adding it into his into his character is kind of nice. And he, and I do like his fighting style. True. And honestly, everything I've ever seen of him, like from the rare occasions I've come across him in the comics, he's a, just kind of a fun character. He's like, like he's very serious, but he's also just kind of wacky, you know, in a way. So you know what? I'd say I'm a fan too. For anyone that's still listening... If you got something out of this, enjoyed the episode, or even liked the character before from a movie, comic, cartoon, hell, even that t-shirt that you saw one time, you're a fan too. If you want to jump on this train, why not subscribe and share with a friend? Dick Rail out. Y'all keep riding them rails. <laughs>